Hello, my name is Ben and you're listening to Your Cricket. The student podcast by Employment for Students, the UK's most visited student job board, where we speak with CEOs, recruitment managers, universities, students and even Olympians, where we hear their stories and their top tips and advice to help get you hired and address any hot topics. We hope you enjoy listening, be sure to subscribe and don't forget to visit our website for thousands of jobs, blogs, top advice and support as well as follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn and new for 2021, TikTok. If you're interested in motorsport, particularly Formula One, or you're hoping to go into the world of sports marketing, sponsorship or consulting, today's guest is going to be right up your street. I was lucky enough to speak to our guest about his 15-year career in Formula One, as well as working on exciting projects such as British Open Golf, 2012 Olympic Games and Formula E. If you've watched Formula One over the past few years, you might notice the Epson sponsorship with Mercedes and the Hilton sponsorship with McLaren, and our guest worked hard behind the scenes to make those deals possible. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce you all to Tim Sylvie. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Very well. Thank you for having me. Good, good. Well, thank you for uh, taking your time to join us. Let's just dive straight into it. Um, how has 2020 been to you? It's been a completely different year to what I think everyone's been expecting. Yeah, it's, um, it's been up and down, to be honest. It, when it all kicked off in, in, at the beginning of the year, um, it was a scary time because, you know, working in motorsport, um, you know, as from the Australian Grand Prix, when it was all kicking off, and Formula One decided to um, uh, essentially abandon the event. Um, it was just panic stations. You know, me and most of my colleagues and uh, peers just thought, that's it. What on earth are we going to do? Because all the, all the big brands are going to pull out. There's no, it wouldn't, if there's no racing, there's no sponsorship activation. Um, and what do we do? So yeah, it was a panic at the beginning. And there, I think there was a knee jerk reaction from a lot of brands. And then, um, you know, I, I wear a few different hats um, and, you know, one of the businesses I'm involved with, it was a good thing because I'm sure we'll talk about the podcast, but um, that, that it was a benefit mm-hmm. for the podcast because people were now at home doing nothing. So getting guests was easier, but you know, my, my sort of day job, if you like, of motorsport consultancy was, was badly affected. Um, but it, it picked up um, as people got used to lockdowns and COVID and, and how to adapt to it. So it's been up and down, but at, at the moment we're, we're sort of back up, despite the fact that at the time of recording, we're in another lockdown. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been up and down, but, but we, it feels okay at the moment. So you've wanted to work in Formula One sort of all your life from a young age, and we'll sort of go deeper into that um, a bit later into the podcast when we look at you know, your, starting off your career. But like, what is the day in the life of, you know, sports marketing, sponsorship, consultancy? Like, what's that like in Formula One? Is that quite a fast paced world? Is it, is it exciting? Is it everything you expected it to be? Yeah, um, I guess, a, you know, a typical day. So I, I work, I consult for a company called Right Formula. Um, so they're a, um, a sports marketing consultancy is, is how they describe themselves. Uh, sports marketing and entertainment um, with, with their roots in Formula One. Um, so a lot of clients in Formula One and Formula E um, and, and other forms of sport. Um, and I guess, you know, for me, a typical day is um, working with our team, our activation team. So, uh, you know, we're tasked with um, 
a, a brand will come to us and say, look, you know, here's, here's our budget for the year. Um, here's what we sponsor. Um, here's, um, here's the assets that we, we get from, um, from the, the rights holder, which could be you know, McLaren or you know, Mercedes or, or, or um, Envision Virgin Racing in Formula E, for example. And um, here are the assets. Now let's create marketing content that leverages those assets in the most effective way. Mm-hmm. Um, so our, our days are spent um, in the early part of the season or before the season starts planning and coming up with campaigns and strategies for the following season. And then um, once those ideas and, and concepts are signed off, we move into activation um, stage and, and, and creating the ideas, whatever they may be, and, and delivering them for, for the client um, and hopefully fulfilling whatever KPIs and objectives they've got as part of their marketing strategy um, and and then reporting and measuring those those results and making sure that um, you know we've we've delivered against their objectives must be quite a huge sense of achievement as well you know either when you you look back on the the sponsorship deal which maybe helped help seal the deal you know or just looking back and thinking wow you know I work in Formula One is that a huge sense of achievement and does it actually feel like work um so it, yeah, it, it is certainly a, a sense of achievement. I, I mean, I've always, I, almost since I left uni, I did a short stint at um, a recruitment company um, before I, I jumped into Formula One quite quickly. So I, I've always worked in it um, and I've become a fan of Formula One. Uh, I was a fan anyway, but I've become much more of a fan having worked in it. And you do have to sort of uh, pinch yourself a little bit sometimes because you find yourself in places where you're like this is ridiculous you know no one has access here well a very small group of people have access you know you can find yourself in the paddock at um you know yas marina circuit i actually i shared a, a post on twitter um last night um of a memory i had when um, jensen button retired um from mclaren um and he did it at yas marina circuit and i was there in the in the paddock watching it and i filmed it at the time and, and put it on on twitter last night because it just reminded me of, of a good interesting time and you sort of sit there watching those moments unfold in front of your eyes and think this is crazy you know this just isn't work this is mm-hmm. you know watching uh, motorsport history in the making so yeah it's it's it is a sometimes a, a privileged position to be in um so yeah i think uh it, you, you do look look on it with a certain amount of pride and then you know there, there are work achievements obviously it's not all glitz and glamour it's hard work and often you just you go to a racetrack you're briefly then you're in a hotel then you're in a racetrack and then you're on a plane and then you're home you know it's, it's not, <laughs> not always glitz and glamour no. but um it, you know that we we certainly you know th- there are times where you do a particular activation that's mm-hmm. gone really really well or um you know you you've brokered a deal that that is is very rewarding um so you certainly have those moments of of, uh, of, of joy um, intermingled with with moments of, of failure and and disaster. Yeah, definitely, um, I had a I had a in Canada once at the Montreal. We were at Montreal, and I was working for ING Bank um, through an agency who sponsored the Renault F1 team at the time, and we we had a uh, this is a low point. We had a, um, a, a one of the their former racing cars, uh, an actual F1 car um, as a show car. And it was the centerpiece of a party we were holding one afternoon and the car got nicked um, oh, and, wow. and taken away <laughs> under my watch. And I was like, that's a problem. Um, so th- th- they actually found it 10 miles outside of, of um, the city 
because it had a tracker on it and the guys what? who stole it obviously just couldn't couldn't get through the door of the trailer that we had thank mm-hmm. god otherwise they would have realized they'd stolen something pretty valuable um so you know there are ups and downs but it's always an adventure that is just beyond what i ever thought the sort of challenges of your day-to-day <laughs> life in f1 would be like what <laughs> i don't even know where to go after that but <laughs> what's it like working you know are you still able to enjoy formula one as a fan is it so i assume you know you can still watch the races even if you're not there but yeah. when you're actually there on a race weekend can you still watch or is there still quite a few deals you know you're working in the background so um a bit of you, you a bit of both really i mean you, you can um depending on what role you're fulfilling at, at the race you know if, if you're with um sponsors entertaining them um in the paddock club for example um when the race is on it's the, it's your quietest time because you know they're busy watching the race and, and you you for a period of time can actually um try and relax a little bit um and and catch a bit of the race but quite often you watch a few laps and then you've got to think about you know whoever you're you're entertaining then their departures and you know exiting the venue and start getting the, the transport in place that you may have organized for that for you know however many um vips you've got there so you do get to watch a bit of the race but not not an awful lot um yeah. and, and you get to you know network and if, if you're lucky enough to have access in the paddock um then you know yes there's a there's a lot of um, networking that can be achieved um in that sort of one kilometer um space where you've got uh, hundreds of, of leading global brands must be quite interesting so in terms of meeting formula one drivers or it might be you know a different driver in a different different series who's sort of your your favorite that you've met so far um in terms of personality i think um Valtteri bottas was really nice to work with um very cooperative friendly guy um we had Mark Webber on the podcast the other day, who was loads of fun, just exactly as you'd imagine him to be, just yeah, really, you know, shoots from the hip, says what he wants, um, and that's fine. Uh, so he was good fun. Um, we did some work with Lando Norris and Hilton. He's, an, he's a nice chap and, and done some bits and pieces with Lewis um, for Epsom, who's sponsor uh, Mercedes as well. Um, and he he was he was good good fun to work with um they're they're generally nice people um you know and and their sponsorship activities are part of their job and they've got to do it and whether they like it or not so they (laughs) might as well get on with it and enjoy it so on the whole you know that they're all the ones i've experienced um have all been pretty good i've i've never really had a negative experience with a racing driver Mm -hmm. that i can recall i think apart from once with i think it was it was years ago when i first started out and i'm pretty sure it was lucas degrassi and he i had to take him on a scooter from one place to another for an appearance and he he wasn't particularly friendly to me but i remember thinking at the time what have i got myself into i was really young and i was just you know he he said i can't remember what he said but it was it was really negative and i just thought you bastard um uh, you know and it re- being brand new into the sport you know on in an environment you're you're not used to in a different country riding a scooter which i'd never done before and picking up an f1 driver to take him to an appearance i just it was just weird and it sounds like yeah. such a trivial thing but it really affected me at the time i was like you you just destroyed any semblance of confidence <laughs> i had um, but outside of that it stuck with me as well like 15 years later um, <laughs> outside of that no i, th- I think on the whole 
they're a, they're a nice bunch of people to be honest they're just regular guys that happen to be exceptionally good at what they do so touch on what you said about you know meeting that if, if a driver is quite negative towards you lucas degrassi you know that experience it might have stuck with you but at, at that moment in time did you think is this what i want to do is everyone going to be like this is it something that you sort of look back on and think i've learned from this you know it's, it's helped me build as a, as a character yeah, I mean, you, you have to be tough yeah, working in Formula One to a degree. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that want to work in the industry because they think it's all, you know, a glitz and glam. And um, you, to get it, to get along in it, you do have to have a certain amount of resilience because so many people want to do it. It's a, it's a cutthroat industry, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, it's, it's, um, it's a very small niche industry. Not that many people work in it. So there's an element of, you know, we're all in this together. Let's help each other out. So um i did grow up quickly because you know you're i was traveling to sort of you know i don't know how many races a year but you know most of them um for a number of years and you know being on the road on your own as a as a young bloke or or girl you know fresh out of uni you 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 learn a lot very quickly um particularly agency side which is what i was doing you you know you you have to have a a well-rounded grasp of of uh sponsorship and marketing so you, you do develop quickly um, but it took a long time for me to, to really feel comfortable um, and probably didn't really feel really comfortable until I reached about 30 years old and then, then started to feel not only more comfortable in the job, but more comfortable in my own skin and, you know, confident wise. And, and, you know, from my sort of early 30s to now I'm nearly 40, um, I think my, my life has changed considerably with um, confidence in, in my own abilities and, and knowledge and um and and as an individual i mean literally as you say it shows that your career is is ever growing isn't it you you don't you you can never walk straight into a job from when you graduate and think right i'm the you know the best i can be you've got something you've got that growth mindset by the sounds of it you you've also worked on quite a few other exciting projects you know we'll we'll sort of step away from four and one for a bit because yeah i can speak about that um all day with you um but you've worked you know british open golf the 2012 olympic games in london but also Formula E. What was that like working within, you know, Formula E? Back in the day, it was a completely new idea, wasn't it? Although it was still motorsport, it was still, it, was it 2014, 15, it was literally brand new series. Yeah, yeah it, it's, uh, it, it's an interesting one. I mean, it's not for everyone, Formula E. Um, so I, I work with a company called um, Genpact, who, who specialise in, in digital transformation. Um, and they um, they sponsor Envision Virgin Racing, who are um, that Envision Virgin Racing. Their their mission outside of racing itself is to be carbon neutral, which they've achieved now, and and affect change in the climate. They've got a good sustainability message, um, but it's not dissimilar. I mean, a lot of the stuff we do with them is similar to the activations that we do um, in uh, in Formula One. Um, you know, it's still sports marketing. It's still coming up with with interesting marketing ideas and activation ideas, leveraging assets that the team give you. Um, the difference is more the on track action. You know, that's which is completely different and very alien to F one fans. Um, but it's it's a great series. I'm I'm I've become a fan slowly. I wouldn't say I was a fan at the beginning because I was in that V eight, V six, V ten, V twelve mindset, <laughs> like the noise. Um, but you know, you adapt with the times and um, now with Formula E, you've got Extreme E as well. Um, there's a new electric boat racing series out. There's e-scooters coming out. There's uh, Rob Smedley's e-karting championship for kids as an alternative route to traditional um, carbon engine carts. Um, 
so yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a different world, but I like it. Um, and it's nice to have that, that variety. And the 2012 Olympic Games, what was that like? You know, there's thousands of people who put effort, you know, the, the amount of hours they put just to host an Olympic Games. What was that like? Was that a huge sense of, wow, like I've helped be a little, a small part of this massive project? Ben, it was chaos. Like, <laughs> it, it was, that was the hardest, but one of the best things I've ever done. Like we, so we were, t- it was a bit random. We, we, we were contacted by um, one of the agencies that were working for the organisers of the Olympics um, mm-hmm. in London. And they said, we need transport staff to work with several agencies across the UK mm-hmm. to move um, athletes, production personnel, all sorts of different stuff. Um, thousands and thousands of people. So we, I was like, this is when I first started out and, and uh, I'd had the business open for, I don't know, maybe like, um i don't know two or three weeks mm-hmm. um and i was like okay cool how many how many people do you need to manage this transportation plan and for how long and they said about 50 people over six mm-hmm. months i was like uh okay i'll i can do that no problem so I, I frantically found um about um 60 people um whittled them down to 50 that i felt could do the job um and um they were at various levels from just you know load zone coordinators up to proper transport managers who had had experience of mass transportation at, at, uh, at big events yeah. and sold them into um the this agency at the, the olympics um, we worked from canary wharf uh, in in the hsbc building and uh, at various places across london and for probably four to six months um it was 24 hours a day non-stop chaos Ooh. and how no one quit or had a mental breakdown um, mm-hmm. or frankly died is beyond me. It was brutal. I mean, it's the hardest thing anyone that was on that project has ever done. And yeah. the, the logistics of it were not there in the sense that there weren't enough vehicles. There wasn't mm-hmm. enough staff. There wasn't enough depots. There wasn't enough coordination. It was chaos, absolute bedlam. Um, but we got through it and it was, it was terrible. Um, in terms of the hours and the, the work that was put in, but it was good fun. You know, it, it was, uh, it, looking back, it was fun. At the time, it certainly wasn't. And the people that worked on it were heroes. You, you've been quite fortunate by the sounds of it to work on so many interesting and different projects. Um, and that sort of links onto your, you've got a strong CV and really, you know, the experience you have is just absolutely mind blowing listening to all of that. So, you know, you work for Right Formula as an account director, um, Sylvie Sports Limited, uh, sports sponsorship and management consultant, but you also got the Motor Mouth Club, you know, that's, you've got a podcast and an app. What was that like launching that app and the podcast? So the podcast started last year. Yeah, so um, the, the podcast started last year. Um, well, the, the whole thing did really. So I, I go to a lot of motorsport conferences and one of the things that I noticed probably about four years ago now is that everyone was saying how digitally disengaged Formula One and motorsport was. Um, it's a lot better now with Liberty Media coming into Formula One, but um, at the time, um, it was still Bernie Eccleston, and, th- and there wasn't really a marketing department at F1. Um, there was very little social engagement. Um, it was all geared towards an older audience. Um, and it felt like there, we were all missing a trick. Um, and there were one or two companies out there, like WTF1, um, who, who were doing some cool stuff um, around social engagement in motorsport. But I felt like there was still a, pl- a, a gap for for someone to fill. So started a, a thing called Motormouth last year, which is basically an app, a website and a podcast. Um, and it's, you, you go on, you build a profile and you start engaging with other motorsport fans around the world. Um, 
and you can upload pictures. You know, it's, it's Facebook for motorsport, essentially. Yeah. Um, and we've got tons of news. So, you know, there's Formula One through to grassroots motorsport um, news articles, which um, are aggregated and put onto the platform. Um, uh, and there's there's tens of thousands on there. It's all filterable and searchable. So that it's a good reference point for motorsport news. Then we have video, um, which is done in a similar sort of fashion. And then we have our own content, MMTV, which um, is is a guy called Harry Benjamin and I um, just being silly on camera at British Touring Cars or Goodwood Festival of Speed or something like that. Um, or, or um, you know, videos of us visiting a factory or whatever it might be. And then, and then the podcast, which has been the sort of the surprise um, part of it because of its success, um, which we started around about a year, a year and a half ago, um, and we kicked off with a young driver called Callan O'Keefe, who at the time was racing for Fernando Alonso's, Alonso's team, um, which uh, is called FA Racing. And then we had Kelvin Fletcher, who won Strictly Come Dancing, but um, fun fact, he's also a, a racing driver um, and is a British GT champion um, with Martin Plowman. So we had him and then it went on from there and it grew and grew. Um, and I think it really sort of kick-started when we had Karun Chandok in about episode nine-ish. Um, and once we had a decent scalp like him, it became easier to get bigger names and we've got bigger and bigger and we're in about 35 countries now. Um, and we've had uh, David Coulthard, Crofty, you know, Natalie Pinkham, Will Buxton, Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley, Charlie Martin, the list goes on. Real diverse bunch of people. Um, from all sorts of walks of life and motorsport and then we're about to launch season five um i don't know by the time this goes goes out maybe season five will be released but we've got people like mark weber um jay morton who's on ss who dares wins who's starting mm -hmm. a racing career in 2021 uh johnny herbert we got a podcast and a video with him that we did in conjunction with the silverstone experience museum which is a really cool place to visit um and uh, jay Humphrey and others jimmy broadbrent the sort of esports star so it's it's grown and grown and grown it's, and it's just really good fun um and it's a great way to get your name out there um and 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 build awareness of, of motormouth as a whole not just the the podcast absolutely and you know i've used your app it's quite nice what i quite like was seeing the different features the fact you can look at different motorsport as well um yeah. it's, i think sometimes i know what i've been like over the years where I've used like Sky Sports, um, use their app in just sort of the F1 section. You just see the F1 news, but it's quite nice seeing you know MotoGP and all the other the other series that come with it. So in that aspect, it's quite nice to look at. Is it is it quite nice looking at the app? You know, listen to podcasts. Do you listen to your own podcast back sometimes? Uh, very rarely, very rarely. I find it a bit cringe. So I, yeah. I, I I do just just quickly. I like on double speed just to make sure that we haven't cocked up the edit. But um, no, once they're out there, I, I tend to leave them alone and listen to other, other people's podcasts instead. But now we'll, we'll pop all the links to the, uh, to the app, the website and the podcast down below for you as well. Um, so let's rewind back to the start of your career. So you left University College Birmingham with a high national diploma in business and hospitality management. You know, yeah. you knew you wanted to work into F1, but you had no really plan of how to get into it. You ended up in recruitment. What were those months working recruitment like? Was it you sort of always there in the back of your mind itching sort of thinking... I need to get out. I need to. I need to project myself into the world of Formula One, or is it? I'm just going to focus on this job, sort of one step at a time. I mean, I I, I was terrible at school, um, so I, I I went through clearing. Which do you still do clearing? I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, anymore. yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I went through clearing and got into what is now University College. 
Birmingham, I think it's called Birmingham University College. At the time, it was called Birmingham College of Food, Tourism and Creative Studies. And I'd never been there before I turned up for my first day. And it's like this tower block. It's not an impressive building. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was a bit like, oh, God, what, what have I let myself in for? Anyway, I stayed there for three years with a, with a year in between where I went to America to, to work on a sort of um, placement year. Um, and it, it wasn't great for me, university. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, for me, it didn't work, but that's my fault because I didn't try hard yeah. enough at school to get myself into a, into the uni that I should have got into. Mm -hmm. So I, w I didn't really have the passion for it. You know, I wasn't there. I was there because I went through clearing. I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Um, I wasn't there because I was training to be a lawyer or a vet or, you know, something mm -hmm. useful. Um, so I, I did my, the, the best thing that came out of it for me was the placement year in which I did in Florida, which I discovered, um, money and, and work and enjoyed it. Yeah. So I came back, finished university. So I did recruitment and actually really enjoyed it. Did it for about a year, uh, and was quite successful at it. Um, I was on no money. I think I, I started on 12 and a half thousand pounds a year mm -hmm. plus commission and did really well, but it, 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 I knew I couldn't be there long term. It wasn't sort of inspiring enough for me. And, and, you know, while I think you can do really well in recruitment and I know people who have started recruitment companies and made millions, but um, it wasn't for me. And I knew at that point that a, I wasn't very good or didn't enjoy working for other people and making other people money, much rather make myself money, but also it wasn't a passion. Um, and I got lucky. Um, I knew a guy called Jonathan Bedansky who um, ran a sports marketing agency and he offered me an internship and then it went on from there. So during that internship, was it a three month probation you're on? Yeah, it was, yeah. it was three month probation. He was like, you know, come and have a go, see if you like mm -hmm. it. Um, we'll put you on three month probation, see how you get on, which I did. And, um, and, and just worked really, really hard. I, I, I've, I think wor working hard is, I'm sure you can learn it, but for me, it was just kind of in me and I enjoyed working hard. Like I, I, I become a bit obsessive about jobs. Mm -hmm. So I, I went fully into it. It's the first time I realized I was like that, you know, I just mm -hmm. went, went for it and I was working harder than I have ever worked in my life. And I tried to make sure I worked harder than everybody else that was in that office and turn up earlier and leave later and, and absorb as much as I could. Um, and so he he kept me on after the three months and i stayed there for six years um oh, wow. left, uh, left as a director and shareholder and had opened an office um in abu dhabi um and 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 thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it and stayed so i stayed there until i started there i think in 2005 left in 2012 uh, so seven yeah seven years so i guess in a way you literally did start at the bottom left at the top was that a nice journey? Was that, I, I assume there'd be lots of challenges, but is there anything you'd sort of look back and change? What was it like opening that office in Abu Dhabi then? Was that almost your departing gift in a way? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really good fun. It was before the crash. Uh, well, most of it was before the crash, sort of 2008 period. Um, you know, for a few years, it was just brilliant fun. You know, I was in my sort of early mid twenties and, and, and it was just, great fun i was traveling the world uh, you know there were no sort of money concerns like there are now brands were way more um frivolous with their cash um 
we were having a really good time for a few mm -hmm. years and then, and then the, the crash happened which changed everything immediately and brands suddenly became much more conservative and more focused on on their budgets mm -hmm. um and and we had to work harder to to be creative with those budgets um but uh all in all it was a really i thoroughly enjoyed it and i stayed on there um till i went out to Abu Dhabi for the first time in 2009 to consult at yas marina circuit through uh, the company the agency which is called bsl world or Podansky sponsorship limited at the time and um stayed there in the middle east for three years until 2012 and, and opening up the office during that period um and and had a great time really really loved it um and just got to a point where i felt like i'd gone as far as i could go with that business um it was actually being sold at the time and i felt felt like now is a good time to maybe start try starting on my own which i did um and then um they uh they they went through the process of selling the company to um another organization who ended up trying to sue me when i left um, really so <laughs> well I, it, I, I basically yeah i mean it's looking back now i kind of get it but i don't i mean I, I they had a they had one client um who was a project client not a retained client um who um approached me as i left and said look i know you're leaving but you know we've we've worked with you on this project in abu dhabi we'd like to continue working with you if you're setting up on your own why don't we come with you and so i was like well if if the old agency are happy with that then of course so i spoke to them and said look this is what's happening this company have approached me you know i'm leaving but they want to come to me and be my first client are you happy with this yeah great you know it's a one off project no biggie mm -hmm. go for your life so i was like great you know i'll crack <laughs> on and let's work together and let's do yeah. stuff together and then eight weeks later i had a legal letter saying we're gonna shut you down and take your profits um so uh, i promptly found myself one of london's best sports and media lawyers through a friend got mates mm -hmm. rates and it went on for a few months and it was a horrible horrible experience yeah, i can imagine um, but they backed down in the end and everything was fine but it for, for six months or so it was uh, a hugely stressful time I imagine was that similar to the time you said about so you're just recovering from the 2008 market crash yeah oh black so I, I mean i was quite young at the time i would have been about 10 years old and i remember just hearing the credit crunch and it's only yeah. taken me until the, the past few years to realize just the significance of that you know on the whole world uh, especially as, as we study it more it was huge it was a massive uh, bump in the road for us for our industry um and you know we've all recovered from it but it did change the way the industry was so that that combined with um you know trying to be sued by my my former company um probably two of the two of the low lights um yeah. the the third one was when i started managing racing drivers and uh, did that for six years and then um the uh the company that i was consulting through to manage those racing drivers um had uh or decided that racing driver management was no longer for them and, and essentially threw in the towel i think you know there was some investors that um didn't come through or so i don't know all the details but they they, they uh decided it was it was no longer for them so decided to shut that <laughs> that down and that was that oh. was a big shot because that was yeah. like you know earning really decent money you know managing a bunch of, of racing drivers um to for six years you know putting all your eggs into that basket and then all of a sudden that ends and and you think christ uh okay well, 
what am I going to do now? So, um, but you adapt, you learn and, and you mm-hmm. move on and um, you have these road bumps, but the, the positives far outweigh the negatives. Definitely. And I, I mean, you, you've done so many things. You've worked on the projects, you've done, you know, consulting, networking must be an absolutely huge thing for you. And, you know, it's so important, influential in your career. And we often, you know, in blogs and videos, we bang on about LinkedIn, especially. Um, we just say, right, students, get your LinkedIn. Don't be afraid to network. Is there often sort of do's and don'ts of networking? Um, I don't know that. The, I mean, I, I'm sure there are do's and don'ts. I mean, I, I, I have quite a simplistic view of life generally um, and try and break things down into their simplest forms. So for me, networking is exactly what it says on the tin. Just talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and generally, I'm sure you're finding with, uh, and you will find with the podcast, is that people are, are happy to chat um, mm-hmm. and help. Um, you know, you, you of course will come up against some people who just don't want to help mm-hmm. because they can't be bothered or whatever. But on on the whole, um, people are happy to chat, and I, I've spoken to people from all walks of life in loads of different positions of seniority. More often than not. Um, they're, they're keen to talk, you know, with Motormouth, for example, when we were going through the looking for investors, um, you know, I approached several investors and VCs and, on LinkedIn, and I don't think any of them um, ignored uh, my approach and, and would happily critique or give advice um, and help. So um, it's, it is literally just having the uh, confidence to, to talk to people and ask questions and, and be open to, to criticism and, and learn um and uh, and not be afraid to to talk to people i mean it can be it is difficult you know if you go to a conference which we'll do again one day when covid's <laughs> out of the way yeah you know you're in a room full of 200 people you might be the only person there representing your business and you, you have to force yourself to go up to someone and just go hi you know and shake their hand and get a conversation going but you know if you want to live in this world and, and do your own business and do your own thing if you don't make those approaches, you're not going to get anywhere. I think, especially in terms of the, the past few months, as I've been doing my internship, I've been networking more and more. And even when I reached out to you, you know, I was sort of quite nervous and thinking, oh, what's the best way to, you know, come across? And do I go in too hard? Do I go in too soft? And like, you know, people don't reply. Um, I think it's definitely a learning learning process, isn't it? You, you find what yeah. works best, and especially for the yeah. situation you're in, isn't it? Because I probably couldn't go up to a CEO at the moment because I probably wouldn't have the correct approach um, maybe in a few years, but yeah, it's just, it's just refining that process, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you say that, but why not? You know, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You know, True, yeah. I think people respect, um, especially young people doing bold moves like that. You know, if, if you, if you approach the CEO, what's to say he wouldn't go, wow, you know, really appreciate you reaching out because mm-hmm. it's, it's nice to hear from a young person who's, who's trying to make a difference. Um, so, um, you know, I don't think age should be a factor in, in, uh, in things like that. I think if you've got the ability um, and the confidence to do it, then, then crack on. And, you know, networking and success go hand in hand sometimes, especially when you're, you know, whether you're starting a new business, you're branching out or you're, you're looking for a new job. And you have an eight step process to success, don't you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you watched my webinar with Jenny Gowden. I did. <laughs> I did yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, there's, again, it's, it's simple stuff. Um, there's, there's no great science behind it and it's not telling anyone anything they don't already know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, do you want me to go through it? 
I've got it on here if you want me to go through it. You've got it. I I don't mind either way. I mean, so, you know, the the, the first one is, is passion. And and I think, you know, that comes across in, it's, it's very easy to see. It's very, you you can very quickly catch someone out. um, You know, if they don't have passion for what they're doing, it's obvious. Um, And um, I think if you, if you know what you want to do and you have passion for it, you'll do it. And that, and that's become really apparent to me in the podcast, um, you know, talking to racing drivers a lot. Uh, when you say to them things like, you know, what what would you be doing if you weren't doing this job? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, no, nothing. I'd be on the street. <laughs> I, there was no alternative. I, all I wanted to do was racing, so I made yeah. it happen. And I think that's um, that's very true. I think if you're single-minded on your passion, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll get there, whatever it is. Um, and um the, the second one um is work harder than everyone else mm-hmm. um and and that's you know some people can you know might want to do the the five hour working week and and that works for them and some people will get up at eleven a m go to bed at um ten p m and have short days and mm-hmm. i'm sure they'll be successful um uh, but for for me um not necessarily putting more hours in but working harder um and and more efficient mm-hmm. um it, it doesn't mean getting up at 5am and finishing at 10pm mm-hmm. you can achieve a lot in an hour yeah you know, definitely I, I i often find you know I, I hate it when people moan about time and i don't have time to do that it's like you do you know you, you can make <laughs> you can get you can get a huge amount done in one hour if you sit down and focus um so i think you know work harder than everyone else but do it with um more efficiency more accuracy and detail um <laughs> than than other people um, and then show enthusiasm, which is a bit, a bit like the passion one, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not the most intelligent human being in the world and I'm certainly not the most qualified, but um, I, I will always show enthusiasm if it's something that I enjoy. And, and, you know, if I'm working with a client, I'll be enthusiastic with the client and mm-hmm. make sure that they see my enthusiasm and, and that I want to work with them and, and, and do a job. Um, be daring, which goes back to the networking thing, you know, make your voice be heard, stand out and show you have passion. Um, especially if you're working in a team of people um, and you might be an account exec or a senior account exec and you know, you're starting out on your career, but even at that level, um, make your voice heard. You know, there's people I work with who are at senior account exec level who are very, very good at what they do and passionate. And already you can earmark the people, you can see them, you know, they stand out and they, they, they'll pipe up and have a comment and it might be wrong, but at least they're doing it and the clients yeah. appreciate the effort. Um, so get, get your head up and, and, and let your voice be heard. Um, I think it's really important. And, and if you're wrong, you're wrong, but that's a hard thing to get over. You know, you don't want to appear wrong, but you know, you're an account exec. You can be wrong. It's fine. Yeah, definitely. We all make mistakes. Uh, yeah, exactly. I've made loads. Um, be punctual um early is on time i always think that um i don't think i've i, I don't, i'm not sure i've ever been late for anything in my life um i can't think of anything unless there was extenuating circumstances like an accident on the motorway that just meant i was stuck yeah i don't think i've ever been late and um i hate it when people are late it immediately immediately puts me off um Actually, I was late to this. There you go. That's the first one. I was <laughs> no, no, that, that was all right. <laughs> but, it, but at least I let you know. You did um, pre-warn me. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I think um, I think be be on time. People mm-hmm. really appreciate it. And as soon as you're late, you know, it, it turns me off. I'm like, just don't waste my time. Like, yeah. go away. Um, learn off your own back. Um, 
as you know, there's loads of webinars, um, there's blogs, there's case studies. Um, you can immerse yourself in your industry and learn so much about it off your own back. You don't need mm -hmm. someone else to teach you. There's so much free content out there. Um, you know, Jenny Gao at the moment is smashing the webinars and, and doing loads Definitely. of interesting ones about how to get into um, motorsport if that's if that's your niche. Um, so get out there and, and learn. Um, it's 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 never been easier mm -hmm. to, to find things online and learn about them. Um, and then um, take opportunities. You know, in a measured way. I don't mean just say yes to the whole world and everything. Um, <laughs> but um, you know it if something feels like a challenge or out of your comfort zone, don't say no, push yourself to say yes. Uh, if it's a measured yes, you know, and, and you know that it's right for you, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. um, and, and things will happen. Um, you know, one thing leads to another is definitely true, you know, across the board, whether it's networking or pieces of business, things, one thing leads to another. Um, and then uh, finally, don't listen to outside voices, external voices that are going to be negative or your own inner voice that um, may be negative. Um, you, you may think or be told that you can't do something, but you can. Um, negativity has no place in my career. I, I don't deal with negative people. I've got no time for them whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I've got time for critical, for critique from people, but not negativity. Um, I push them out of my life wherever I can um, and, uh, you know, stick with the positive thoughts um, and, and try and push the negative thoughts to the back of your mind. Um, and uh, I guess finally, just, you know, take whatever opportunity you can, like you, you know, you took an internship and suddenly, you know, that's turned into something, you know, start at the bottom, get a foot in, find a way in, and then don't rush. Everyone's in a rush, like just chill. Yeah. Um, you know, work hard and do, do do the things that you should do and, and, and good things will come. Well, thank you very much for that, Tim. You know, I think although a lot of students listen to our podcast, that is definitely something that no matter what stage of your career you're, you're in, you know, you, you can apply that. You might even be, you know, about to take your GCSEs, albeit, yeah, that they're cancelled, so you might be taking them as, you know, in-class assessments. But even one of those steps, you know, you, you can take into that, especially that the one thing that stuck with me is about working harder than others. But the main point about it's not about the hours. It's about actually you know, yeah. being efficient and putting that work in during the time you give yourself. Like you said, it could be an hour and you can do so much. Yeah. So many tasks done. No, for sure. And it's those points, you know, it's funny. I, I came up with those things relatively quickly, um, but it seems to resonate with people. Um, I guess younger people mm -hmm. more than most. But it's funny. I, after the Jenny Gal webinar that I did and I, I rattled through those eight points, it was the thing it really did. it surprised me how much it resonated with different people from different walks of life including people mm -hmm. older than me um who were like you know i'm going to take that on board and use it i was like oh, mm -hmm. okay because it, it, it it's it's just a you know a thing that i do day to day but it, it de definitely seemed to mm -hmm. um to have an impact on some people i had a lot of messages about it so so i'm pleased if it, if it helps someone absolutely that, that's the main thing is is always be open to helping other people and that last point you said about listening to negative not listening to negativity is that negativity and criticism are two yes, very different things absolutely. you know criticism you're you're actually willing to help that person in terms of grow and develop but negativity is often just stemmed from jealousy absolutely. isn't it yeah yeah and you know critique is fine I'm, I'm always happy to receive critique from people and 
I'm very lucky that, you know, our, our Motormouth, our CTO, Frank, will criticize me every day because, it, you know, he, he's the, the very rigid um, CTO, um, you know, AI expert, robotics and all that sort of stuff. And, and his personality fits that. We're, we're very different people and he will challenge me constantly. And it's exactly what I need, you know, someone to challenge me and, and that helps me get to better, uh, better outcomes. It's like having a sparring partner almost, isn't it, you know? Um, Total Wolf, you saw say that about yeah. Nicky Lauda about how they you know, bounce off each other and you know that criticism and and actually giving that feedback, especially is how you yeah, grow and develop. Absolutely. So, what any you know just to finish off, any social medias we want to put in the description for you as well as your plans for twenty twenty moving forward. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, you can you can search Motormouth across uh, socials and, and you'll probably find us um, somewhere along the line. Um, uh, search the Motormouth podcast to listen to the podcast. Um, you can't miss us. It's a bright sort of luminescent uh, green color so uh, very easy to spot um future um well we're, we're going through an investment round at the moment for motormouth we did one last year um uh, which we completed and that allowed us to sort of get going and now we're, we're into a round two of investment which which we're pushing through at the moment um and um, and hopefully continuing to grow and and work with right formula um i've got to say you know i've, I've consulted all over the place at lots of different um, organizations and I love what they're doing there Robin Fennick is the CEO um, and the founder um, who's an interesting guy in the world of motorsport um, and there are some brilliant minds at that company and they're doing great things and ex expanding into different areas you know keeping with the changing times particularly at the moment so I thoroughly enjoy working with them so hopefully that that will um, continue for a long time into the future um, and um, yeah, I, th I think just continue to grow and learn. Um, I've learned so much over the, the last, uh, well, I learn, learn a lot all the time, you know, that my mind's open to learning and adapting to the changing times that we're in. So I think um, I will just continue um, learning and, and talking to people and doing things like this. I'm keen to do more of this sort of thing and, and try and get a, a profile out there and, and, um, and do more, uh, you know, webinars and help younger people. And so, you know, we'll see it, it my uh, my goals change all the time but at, at the moment that's where i am amazing tim well take care and we hope all the best you know we wish you all the best in terms of the, the motormouth podcast thanks and, and same to you yeah i had good luck with this and and um it's been great chatting and, and all the best with your your future episodes perfect well thank you very much take care cheers ben we hope you enjoyed listening and picked up some valuable tips or advice if you did enjoy be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. If you're looking for student jobs, from part-time jobs, gap year roles, apprenticeships, internships, placements, or graduate roles, head to e4s.co.uk. See you next time.